0: Sports, politics, life. 360 Document Solutions presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Online at 360DocumentSolutions.com. Normally, I'll take a little pride in bringing you 8 to 10 to 12 different topics on a normal episode of KKHI, but we're calling this one Three Big Things. There will be a couple of secondary things that we mention and some things that we work into the Three Big Things but three big things happen on Tuesday that are uh, on on most any other day would simply be the lead of the podcast, and we'd spend the majority of time on any of these three. So we're going to do these in in no real particular order other than what, this is just the way I wrote them down. We've got the Trump announcement. We have Kansas beating Duke without Bill Self in one of the most Bill Self-looking games you've ever seen. And we have an open letter from John Sherman to season ticket members and I guess essentially everyone else in Kansas City that he wants a $2 billion stadium built downtown. So we're going to start with President Donald Trump, who was very calm, reserved, relaxed, presidential, whatever it may be, at the Mar-a-Lago Resort in Florida, where he resides next door It is palatial estate in front of, obviously, donors and friends and people that have been very loyal to him. He doesn't keep people around that aren't loyal. And... The main thing was not really the fact that he announced we all knew this was coming. We didn't know exactly when, and that will get all the headlines. But the main thing to me was there was no mention of any other Republicans that could potentially be candidates. He stayed away, and I think I know what Trump is up to here. I think Trump is way out in front of everybody else. I don't think anybody else is going to declare that they're running for president until next year at some point. Remember, it was June of 2015 that Donald Trump came down the escalator in New York. So this is a full eight months earlier than that, seven and a half months earlier than that, that he is declaring this time around. Typically, you start to see candidates around March or so of next year after Congress gets settled, after the new government is installed, after everything shakes out from the midterm election, you'll start to see people say, hey, we're running or they'll do speaking engagements in Iowa Or we've started an exploratory committee and then they don't announce until somewhere later down the road. Trump doesn't, because of the media hysteria over January 6th, Trump doesn't just get to be anointed the Republican nominee. He doesn't. But let's just say the obvious stuff first. Mike Pence has got a book tour going on. He may run. Mike Pompeo lost, what, 50 pounds. He wants to run for president. Nikki Haley wants to run. Chris Christie wants to come back and be in the limelight. We get all these not even second-tier candidates because they're not. Whoever doesn't win between Trump and DeSantis is the second-tier candidate. We're talking third-tier or less. We might as well put Amanda Atkins out there and let her run at this point. I don't get any of this. There is no reason for Trump to mention any of these people. The more people that get in, despite the fact that they will all say Pence doesn't like Trump, Pompeo likes Trump, I think, but he's a little Trump light. Not sure he'll run against Trump. We'll see. Nikki Haley, I think she's got a decent relationship with Trump, but she wants to run. A lot of this is about being a candidate, making money off of it in the future, knowing you're not going to win. Chris Christie, certainly all of them. We have all these people that it's a complete waste of time. The more of them that do this, especially ones that don't want Trump in, the more that do that, the better chance he has of steamrolling through the primaries. Trump's votes are baked in. They ain't going anywhere. We know what they are. The question is, can Ron DeSantis get this thing down to a two-person process where in every state that there's a primary... It's Trump or DeSantis and not these other people whittling away 5%, 6% here, 3% there. But if there's six of them, they may get 20, 25% of the vote, but they're not taking any votes from Trump. These will be anti-Trump voters that are not going to vote for Trump, spread it across the candidates, and it gets easier for Trump to win the nomination. So it was very obvious to me that he didn't mention any of these people. Trump has always prided himself on being a counterpuncher. I think most people would like to think of themselves as counterpunchers. We all want to be strong. We all kind of want to be tough in what we do in life, right? Whether it's business or, you know, some passion that you have, you want to be good at it. You want to be strong. You want to uh, project strength, not weakness. You want to be tough, but not mean and hurtful. All of those things. But we would all prefer to be known as a counterpuncher. Hey, that person took a shot at me first. Now watch me hit back. So this fits right into Trump's plan. He goes out front first and lets the field decide what they want to do. Now everybody knows Trump is in. There is no guesswork. There is no silver bullet here. He doesn't have cancer. There's, you know, there's nothing. Anything could have been possible over the last two years. Hey, he has a health problem. Hey, he's decided that, you know, his financially... You know, Trump resorts aren't doing as well as they once did. He's lost money by being president. Whatever it may be, there could have been a lot of reasons why he didn't run. But now he's in. And we got Trump light. We got the calm Trump. We got a phenomenal plan. Every word that you heard him say, if you watched this, every word you heard him say was ear candy. After two years of Joe Biden and the Democrats running everything in this country, everything he said sounded so good that you were immediately inspired that America can be fixed, that we can be great again. Don't make any mistake about it. Trump does have a record to run on. And I'm not saying that the electorate won't side with the corporate media, the legacy media, who will say, forget his four years in office and all the great things that he did. Just remember January 6th. That's all they have on him at this point. Everything else they have is gone. Russian conspiracy, the peeing on the bed, the, the documents at Trump Tower. Uh, they've got this Mar-a-Lago raid, but it does not appear to be anything. He very clearly laid out, if he becomes president again, that he's going to do a complete and full review of the Department of Justice, the FBI, the CIA, and work on cleaning out the deep state. He made very strong statements about term limits in Congress, He made very strong statements about people not working in the federal government for their entire life. He made very strong statements about getting back to outsiders running the country. Our founding fathers set this government up, this constitution and our system up in a very unique way. And it was like this. We have these colonies, later becoming states. We all have different interests. You run yours the way you want to run it. But we're going to have one central government at the top for national defense, mainly. So the British didn't come try to take it back in case of a civil war, an uprising. It has to be in place. We all agree that we have this, but the states are the most important thing. What you do in each state is send your people, just everyday people, to Washington, D.C. and help us run this place. We need congressmen, we need senators, and we need a president. But then go back to being a rancher or a businessman or whatever it is that you do. And I'm not being sexist here against women. There just were no women candidates then. When they were setting it up, it was all men. Women couldn't vote at the time, right? We've come a long way. But the point was the citizens from your local area and your state take two years, four years, or six years away from what they're really good at and what they do to represent your state's interest with the federal government. That's all it was. It was never designed to go to college, get a law degree, go to Washington, D.C., and make that your career. Become a lobbyist, become a politician, become a handler, become a pollster. It was to become a CIA agent. It was never designed for that. And Trump's speech really brought that out on Tuesday night. That was the part I loved more than anything. Now, he didn't lead with that. It was pretty deep into his speech. And I know I'm not alone on this, and I know I'm reading what the most important part of that speech was, because I heard those people react when he was talking about cleaning out the government, when he was talking about term limits. This is a man who's going to come in and say, I can't run again. That's it for me. Elect me. I will clean this up for everything in my wake. We will get rid of all the career people. We will put term limits in for everyone. Give me the opportunity to clean this government up for both parties going forward, and I'm out of here. And that'll be my legacy. That is powerful. He had an amazing plan. Everything he said will work. And my phone lit up. I got texts. I got emails. I heard from a half a dozen people that have already previously told me they would vote for DeSantis in a primary that watched the speech and said, you know what? That man earned the right to get my vote. With his four years of service and everything he's taken for our cause and listening to him speak calmly with a great plan, not attacking anybody but Joe Biden, supporting Herschel Walker wildly, not mentioning DeSantis or any other candidates, The response from people in my circle that I know was, yeah, I miss that guy. He will get it done. He has done the job. Look, we all reserve the right to waffle back and forth on our decision between Trump and DeSantis should it come down to the two of those in a primary. I don't think here in Kansas and Missouri we will need to know until August of 24 which one we want to vote for. That's 20 months away. We got plenty of time to decide who you want to vote for in a primary. You have all the time in the world. And I suspect a lot of people are going to go back and forth because I think Ron DeSantis is going to run. I think Ron DeSantis is in a little bit of an awkward position here in that he just won his governor's race. He really can't announce for president. And if you want to know how difficult it's going to be to beat Trump in a primary, even though we love Ron DeSantis, he gave a major speech to the governor's convention on Tuesday night. Reports from these governors was DeSantis was great and he got a standing ovation and there is no media coverage. There's no footage. There's no juice. There's nobody talking about it because Donald Trump takes the air out of the room. He's an iconic brand. He is a known commodity. I'm not smart enough to know whether he can win or not. I've given up on real elections in America on saying, look, we have a president that's incompetent. We have, we're have. we supporting a, a, a war effort with the Ukrainians to the tune of $80 billion, where we almost started World War III on Tuesday. Because the idiot Ukrainians lobbed a couple of missiles across the border into Poland accidentally. NATO has said, yeah, this was a Ukrainian mistake, not the Russians misfiring into Poland or attacking Poland. Everybody wanted a quick response. Everybody's running around. We got to fire back right now. The Polish need to fire missiles into Russia right now. Everybody just wants to fight, 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 fight. Ladies and gentlemen, the Russians and the Ukrainians are inept enough at fighting each other that we shouldn't be involved anymore. This is it. We, we, we did our part. We gave you all these weapons. We supported you enough. I hope if nothing else, Congress, the House of Representatives now, will stop the funding to Ukraine and just let it play out. Whatever happens, happens. Get the hell out of there. It ain't no good. We don't need World War III starting over the Ukrainians misfiring into Poland, do we? No, we don't. We have a recession, we have inflation, we have ridiculous interest rates, we have crime, we have a border problem. It goes on and on and on and on and on. So as Donald Trump talks about his record and what life was like when he was president, people will remember what the stock market did. People will remember before inflation, what they could buy with what they make. People will remember peaceful times, no war in Ukraine. People will remember these things but I am not convinced in any way, shape, or form that enough Americans will pay attention to that and elect Donald Trump president. There are too many TikTok influences. There are too many uh, cultural demands on young people that implore them to vote one way and be woke or they're terrible people like their parents. Ultimately, that's where they get the votes. It isn't just Republicans are bad. You need to be woke, you need to you need to be more hip and and inclusive and all these other things. That really isn't it. What the Democrats are really good at is targeting young people and convincing them that they're smarter than their parents if you vote Democrat. That ultimately is where their game is. We're going after the young people. These young people are vulnerable. They love their parents but they don't like them. They see things in their parents that they never want to be, that they will absolutely become, and the Democrats catch them. How often do you hear the Democrats talking about 18 to 30-year-olds? Well, there it is. Most 18 to 30-year-olds love their parents, but they don't really like them for everything they are. I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to do that. I was that way. I was never going to smoke. My parents were smokers. I'm never going to smoke. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Never going to be like that. And most of the things that I said that about, I'm just like my dad. My dad didn't like traveling abroad much. I've never been to Europe. I kind of want to go play golf there. I do want to go play golf there, but I don't know. seems like a lot of time away. Seems expensive. I'm getting cheaper as I get older. A lot of, I got a million reasons not to, but mostly I look in the mirror and go, you know what? You've kind of become your dad. My mom would eventually go to Germany, where all our ancestors are from, with my sister. And she enjoyed it very much, but it was a one time thing for her. That was after my dad had passed. We see things like that. This is what the Democrats prey on. Give me these young people. We'll convince them it's okay to love your parents, but good God, don't be like them. Vote for the Democrats. Can Trump get past that? Can he break through? Are there enough voters out there that remember times were better? I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. I just think I just think it would have been better if they had worked this out prior, decided, okay, Trump's running. DeSantis, let me I'm gonna shake your hand, Trump. It's your time. I'll keep governing here in Florida and bide my time. I don't think DeSantis will do that. I think he will run. I think everybody believes Trump is beatable. We'll see DeSantis the only guy that can beat him. He's 32 years younger than Trump. His family looks like a postcard. But he didn't get any coverage on this Tuesday night. It was all Trump. And that's the hill DeSantis has to climb. It's going to be fascinating. I've softened on my stance that a primary is a bad thing. I don't think it is a bad thing. I think it's possible that Trump and DeSantis can do enough damage to each other that neither one can win. I think Trump will be a lot meaner to DeSantis than Biden will be if this thing gets close. I think that's troublesome because he's going to find an attack and hit in places that it will be more meaningful than slanted liberal media doing it. I think there's a lot of danger to that. But I also think there's some smart people that have been around politics a long time that say, look, if you go through a really tough primary and you come out the winner, the voters have decided. They've picked something they like, and that's what you take to the general election. I sort of tend to believe that unless we clean up the elections in the next two years, if we have the ability in Pennsylvania and Arizona and Georgia and all these other places to do ballot harvesting, drop boxes, mail in, and accept ballots days after the election, that the Republican, no matter who it is, has no chance. If it cannot be declared on election night, there will not be a Republican win in 2024. That's the bottom line. We now know that. The fact that we knew that in 2020 and didn't fix that by 2022 is astoundingly stupid on the part of Republicans everywhere, but it is on. And I actually am glad that I heard from so many of you that said very similar things. You know what? I missed that guy. Or you know what? He, He was a good president. He's earned the right to do this, but you saw him in that calm presidential way. And there is no reason For this man, at any point, to be bombastic or outrageous anywhere he goes now for at least a year and a half. I mean, this would be something that maybe in, in, when's Super Tuesday? March of 24? Maybe by February or March of 24, if you've got somebody in a primary and it's close and you want to start attacking them, you can say some of your outrageous things. There is no reason for this man to do anything other than just be presidential. All he has to do everywhere he goes is act and look like the president that he was. Just go do it. Just be the president. You're going to get all the coverage now. You're getting it all. The Democrats can't wait to ignore Joe Biden. He's floundering. They want you. Okay? And, and get this. Start copying Biden. Don't take questions. When you do take questions, pull out your Biden list. Say, let me go to my Biden list here and pick my reporters. And then pick your hand. Pick Oh, Fox News over here. Oh, there's Daily Caller. Here's Newsmax. Just do that. Just channel and copy Biden. Do it completely and utterly. Big, big, big story. Trump is in. KKHI is brought to you by B-Stock, b B-Stock is located at 14680 South Flaming Road in Olathe. Holiday season around the corner. A lot of folks like to get a new computer as a gift. They have laptops. They have all kinds of great gift ideas there. Tons of appliances as well. Brand new LG and Samsung appliances. But these Chromebooks are a wonderful gift idea. Maybe you have a high school student or a college student that would like one. Chromebooks are great little computers. 99 to 149 in stock at B stock. Don't forget the televisions all on sale. Great specials to come on all Sony TVs and any laptop with an eighth or ninth gen processor. Stay tuned for those big deals. Black Friday is early at BStock.net. It's on right now. Check it all out. They've got doorbusters. LG Smart UHD 50-inch TV 299. 299 for a 50-inch LG. UHD, beautiful stuff. BStock.net. they'll ship it anywhere or visit them at 14680 South Flaming Road. It's Black Friday early. Window World, simply the best for less, the official windows of the Kansas City Chiefs. For free analysis and estimate at your home, just call 816-799-0820. Anywhere in Kansas, Missouri, Iowa, it's Window World, one window or 100 windows. They also have doors and siding. Their sliding doors are excellent. Storm doors are great. They put siding on homes. Lifetime warranty on all American-made products. 0% interest available. WindowsKansasCity.com. It is Window World simply the best for less. Advantage Termite and Pest Control. Online at AdvantageTPC.com. It's Advantage. It's easy. Advantage. Anywhere around Kansas City, and that is... uh, is that you put the compass downtown and you spin that baby. And it's just big, big, big radius. Anywhere around Kansas City, Advantage Termite and Pest Control, 913-768-8989, residential and commercial. They'll do your business for you as well, even if you have a big warehouse or something you're trying to keep critters out of. I've been with Advantage for over 20 years. They also do lawn care. I'm want to set that up for 2023? Just give them a call. Log on to Advantage TPC. Dot .com. And the Finch Knife Company and I'm 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 not picking on anybody else. I'm just saying this holiday season think of a Finch knife as a great gift for someone on your list. There's there's a man on your list. Ladies, there's a man on your list that wants a Finch pocket knife. Guys, there's a father or a son or a brother or a friend that wants one of these. Finchknifeco.com. Born in Kansas City, every knife is designed here. They do 6 to 8 different Design categories each year, they're all online at FinchKnifeco.com. To see a selection of their pocket knives, you can visit Shields in Overland Park or the Bullet Hole. Keep life from getting dull with a Finch knife from FinchKnifeco.com. All right, next up on our three big things is a Kansas win over the Duke Blue Devils on Tuesday night. This is not March Madness. This is not even conference play. But I like this Champions Classic, and I've always liked it because it gives you a real peek at the athletes measuring up against other real athletes very early in the season before teams are even coached very well. You know, you get into the big 12 or you get into the ACC and you know your opponent so well, they know everything that you do. The game's become, I guess, a little bit more of a coaching battle. Scouting matters, knowing personnel, defensive shifts, all kinds of things that you do. But this game, well, the first game was just it's, it's exactly what you thought it would be. The first game was exactly what you thought. Kentucky is overrated. They have tremendous athletes, and they're undercoached. And in the end, Michigan State, which has fine players, was the better coached team on this night. And early in the season, That that's a winner. Took two overtimes, but Michigan State did it, and it was a team they have no business beating. I'm not sure Michigan State really belongs in the Champions Classic anymore. I think there might be a better team to put in there. Gonzaga may be better. There may be some other teams that would be a better fourth than Michigan State, but I get it. Coaches that set the thing up, we're all friends. Bill Self's basically it, right? And, and, well, he wasn't there. So Calipari's the only one there. Coach K is gone. And if Izzo were out, if you move them out, then it's, you know, these guys were all buddies. So it remains. They keep doing what they're doing. And then the Kansas game starts. And you're like, well, this is men against boys. I mean, immediately – Watching the game, you thought, here's an older Kansas team. Kansas, by the way, Bill Self, he's, he's so highly praised for his game management, especially the last two minutes, and so many things that he does. Recruiting, all, all the things that he does. What he very rarely gets credit for, because he because he always says the opposite, what he rarely gets credit for is having an older team. Last year's team was just as old as the Hills. I mean, these guys were old. Jalen Wilson has declared for the NBA draft twice and come back. Puts up 25 points in this game, 11 rebounds. The guy's an absolute stud. He doesn't belong in college. Bill Self keeps professional players in his program, and he is the best I've ever seen at this. And when you show up at the beginning of the year and you're immediately watching Kansas against Duke, and you're going, wow, there's McCullough. He's a senior. He transferred from Texas Tech a great player, needs another year, so he's going to transfer from Tech to Kansas. Okay, that's what he does. So here's an old team, and we're seeing them led out on the floor, and yes, they sprinkle in a couple of guys off the bench that are freshmen, the big guys. We see some of that. No no, no question, we see that. But here's McCuller and Wilson carrying the Jayhawks, and they get a lead, and you're like, ooh, they're up 11, everything's great, and then the lead goes away, and you're like, ah, they're turning it over too much. They're sprinkling some other guys out there that are younger. Uh, Norm Roberts is filling in for Bill Self. He Made a some sort of a comment after the game that Grady Dick was in the witness protection program. They couldn't find their star freshman. In the second half, he threw him on the bench. Dick couldn't play any defense at all. To the bench he goes. He was contributing nothing offensively. And he sits. And he sits and he sits. Because they didn't know where he was out on the floor. They couldn't figure out what he was doing. He's a freshman. That's not a knock. This is going to be one of your favorite players ever at the University of Kansas, Grady Dick. There is no question. He's, he, he made some hoops last night that are sick. And you can't, I'm not trying to be, Well, I'm just being honest. You can't watch him and go, holy smack, that was a white guy that did that? You can't. And then you see it and you're like, what? But there he goes. He can't stop. Duke came roaring back in the second half and took the lead. And they're up five points. Duke's up five. There's five minutes to go. And Grady Dick could provide some offense, but his defense has been so bad, we can't put him out there. And then then Norm Roberts puts him out there. And KU still gets stops. And Grady Dick goes crazy. The last two minutes of the game makes three shots, a big three-pointer, massive, a ridiculous alley-oop lay-in and another bucket. Kansas goes on a 15-5 to run. At the end of the game, their defense gets tougher and tougher and tougher and holds Duke to five minutes, five points in the last five minutes. NKU pulls it out with a 15 to 5 run and beats Duke, which was inept the last few minutes of the game. And all I could say to myself was, hmm, it's the horses, not the jockey. Bill Self has gotten credit for about 500 wins, just like the one last night. Oh, he's brilliant. Oh, he's great. Oh, his teams are so tough. They always play defense late. They always put somebody in who makes a big shot. They always win. Bill Self was not there. Let's give the man credit for his recruiting, his development of players, his empowering his players, even on a bad night, to step up and Feel free to make the shot as Grady Dick did. He could have been pouting. He could have been lost. A lot of freshmen would have been on the bench because they can't play defense, sitting there watching, get thrown in the game at the end. My God, we need some points here. And so here comes Dick into the game. And so what? Pout, 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 throw up a terrible shot, clank one off the back, hang your head. No, no. The kid goes out and wins the freaking game for Kansas. And Bill Self wasn't there. But you saw nothing but a Bill Self team at the end of that game last night. He didn't have to be there. Was Norm Roberts brilliant? Maybe, 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 maybe it's just all baked into their DNA. Maybe it's the way they practice. Maybe it's what they know. Maybe it's the confidence they have that their coach believes in them. Maybe it's a lot of different things. What I know it is, it just looks a hell of a lot like a Bill Self basketball team to me. And he ain't even there. It's the horses, not the jockey. And he's got another team. He's got a couple of young, big guys that will need to develop that showed a lot of promise defensively. This was a game where they just allowed him to play. They didn't call a lot of fouls, but it was the opposite of a Big 12 game. Kansas was the team that got called for the most fouls. Duke was the team that shot the most free throws. But Kansas' plan all night long was to just swat and slap and grab and mug everyone on Duke's team down low. Make them shoot from the outside, pound them down low. Just drill them. And KU did. And it worked. And it did look like one of those games where you went, well, they can't call every foul. True. And there were some times that Duke hit Kansas. And you thought, well, that was a foul, and they didn't call anything. There was plenty of that in this game. But it worked out great for Kansas. And they look, they look like they're just going to be a handful of for everyone. The only real weakness was poor three-point shooting, but it's early in the year. Duke was terrible from three as well. The crazy part was, you know, McCuller didn't have like the greatest night ever, but Kansas was two out of 20 from three until Grady Dick came in the game at the very end and hit their third three-pointer. His first, but their third. McCuller was two out of four from three, so the rest of the team was 0 for 16. You think they didn't rely on their old guys for 35 minutes of that game? Jalen Wilson and Kevin McCuller, they did, and it worked. And Kansas beats Duke, and they look terrific. I mentioned a couple small sidebars to our three big things. They're coming right up. Cross Kitchen's KC is your remodeler. Countertop replacement, floor refinishing, or bust out a wall and redo the inside of your house. Tim Cross is on every project. He's the owner, the operator. They'll design it for you, and they'll show you exactly what it's going to look like before they do any work at all do it schedule a meeting to discuss this with tim he can make your home even greater for you and your family get a fully detailed 3d rendering and they have design services to help you pick out colors countertops things of that nature his craftsmen have been with him for years and years it's a great local family company cross kitchens kc.com 816-898-7047 And North Kansas City Dental, online at nkcdental.com. It is Dr. Bill Bush. He is the dentist to the chiefs. He could be the dentist to you. Jessica just went there last week, regular checkup for her. She had a nice experience, talked to Dr. Bush. We're going to be seeing him here in about a week. We're going to see him next week at an event we're going to be doing. He's awesome. nkcdental.com, 816-471-2911. North Kansas City Dental and Dr. Bill Bush, your new dentist. Are our two smaller things. These are not our three big things. Missouri went to 4-0 on Tuesday night. They scored 105 points. Does Dennis Gates have a scoring machine in Columbia? This is crazy. Yes, it was SIU Edwardsville. No, they haven't been tested with a great opponent yet. Kobe Brown is a big deal for Missouri. He picks up two fouls really early. Right in the first half and heads off to the bench. Out he goes. What happens? Des Moy Hodge comes in. Des Hodge goes and takes over. Des Moy Hodge scores 30 points in this game. Are you kidding me? We got boys transferring into this thing that Dennis Gates brought in, and he knows from where he's been, and they're just going to light it up for 30 already? This is exciting. I don't know. I'm going to keep watching. I don't know how good Missouri's going to be, but they are going to be fun to watch. Man, oh, man, can they score. Or they've scored to this point. It is a blast. Keep your eye on the Missouri Tigers. Gates has done nothing but great things since he's gotten there. The one thing he hadn't done was rack up any wins. Well, he's got four of those now. But his recruiting and the energy he's infused into that program and the players he's brought in, wow. I think a lot of people are going to be talking about Missouri basketball. That's impressive. And Kansas State football gets a big-time shot in the arm on Tuesday. As Chris Kleiman, the head coach, says of Will Howard, quote, It's his football team, unquote. Translation, Adrian Martinez, even if healthy, will not play another snap. This is Will Howard's team. As long as he's healthy, he gets the last two. Kansas State's situation is simple. They win the last two. They're in the Big 12 championship game. They're at West Virginia. Then they host Kansas. They win their last two. They're in the Big 12 title game against TCU. If they win one of their last two and Texas loses a game, they're in the Big 12 championship game. Martinez is out this week, but it doesn't matter. He's the backup and wouldn't play anyway. Will Howard, now the starting quarterback for Kansas State. Before our final big thing involving the Kansas City Royals, I want to give a shout out to a couple of people that I know are just tremendous Royals fans. My buddies Mike and Tim at Roberts Robinson, online at robertsrobinson.com, love them some Royals. And right now, they're offering up a $100 rebate on four tires at Roberts Robinson. You need some service work done on your car? Your truck, your SUV, Roberts Robinson can do it no matter what make or model. They'll even pick it up for you, service it, and deliver it to you. How convenient is that? They'll pick it up from your workplace, service it, and bring it back to you all in the same day. RobertsRobinson.com. Now with 0% on all Buick SUVs and most GMCs. Buck Roofing and Construction. Ron loves him some baseball and football, really. Ron likes all the sports. You kidding me? And if you have him out to your house for a free inspection, you might be able to chat a little Chiefs with Ron or Royals with Ron. He'd enjoy that. Good time to get your roof inspected right now before we get the snow and the ice. 913-384-2680. Sleep well. Knowing Buck Roofing fix the roof over your head. Residential and commercial. I don't talk enough about the commercial buildings that he does, but he can do your commercial building as well. And, of course, my friends at Back 9 Development, your custom home builder, TJ Vilkanskis and his team at Back 9 Build custom homes, commercial properties, room additions, investment projects. You want to do some developing like the Royals are going to be talking about doing? Maybe TJ and Back Nine will be part of the development downtown in Kansas City. They want to build some housing down there? Maybe Back Nine will be part of one of those projects. They would do a great job if they were involved. Back9development.com. You want to build? Call Back Nine online at Back9development.com. Several people hit me up yesterday and said, look at this letter I got from John Sherman, the owner of the Royals, the chairman of the Royals. And it was interesting. There was a memo sent out to season ticket members, and it said, click here for the open letter. The open letter, I think, was sent elsewhere. It was obviously sent to politicians, to media outlets, things of that nature. The Royals wanted a lot of attention on this. You pick a Tuesday because you think it's going to be a slower news day. There's not a lot of other sporting events going on or things like that, right? So this is a good day to release this. It wasn't some Friday afternoon. They're wanting to get a good run of this all week long. Turns out a lot of stuff happened yesterday. That's why we're doing three big things. But the Royals did their own big thing. And there is zero threat of them moving to Kansas. This is very clearly a Jackson County, Missouri project with an emphasis on downtown. John Sherman in a long letter that completely outlined their vision. Okay, this is not the short one that says, hey, we want to move downtown. This one had a lot of detail into it. It, talk, it, it, it meandered into some things that I think are completely irrelevant. But maybe I'm just an old get-off-your-lawn guy. I think the Royals should stick to the Royals and what the Royals want to do and not try to play to the media, which they clearly did in this letter. Very early on, he says, Kansas City's on the move. We've got the draft, NFL draft. We have women's soccer building a stadium. We have the World Cup coming and a new terminal at KCI. I'm like, okay, well, the media are going to eat that up. Quentin Lucas is going to love that. The politicians love all that. Okay, we've checked checked just about every woke box here, every liberal woke box with that, and they did that very early. I'm like, ugh, not necessary. Make your pitch for a downtown ballpark, bring forth the plan, and let the people decide if they want in or not. It's no more complicated than that. The time to build a downtown baseball stadium was 15 years ago. The next best time to build a downtown baseball stadium is today. The third best time to build a downtown baseball stadium is five years from now. My God, with inflation? <sighs> wow. So Sherman writes this letter, says it's Kauffman Stadium is old, but we're going to take the best of Kauffman Stadium and put it in our new stadium. We'll have a crown. But we won't have stupid crown vision. Ground vision is the dumbest thing ever. Okay, it's not an HD format. The thing is up and down. So they're gonna the rendering shows a giant crown behind right field that looks kind of cool. That probably lights up, and it's just a crown. But then we have an actual state of the art modern scoreboard in left field with a real jumbotron that looks pretty darn cool. Not gonna lie. But the K is old. It's gonna cost. This is the this is the line. It's going to cost more for upkeep. And it is to build a new one. That's BS, but I understand what he's saying. And I'll cede the point to him that there's a reasonable argument to be made that new is better than replenishing or refurbishing the old. They want to keep the crown. They want to keep with the traditions of Ewing Kaufman and things that Ewing Kaufman had. There was an homage in this letter to Mr. K. I love that. It is downtown or it is near downtown. He has several sites that they're exploring. It says in the letter there is no new Jackson County taxes. That was very plain. And then we get this line. Because they want to develop housing, affordable housing. They wanna, what they want to do is they want to build really expensive housing and some affordable housing nearby. That's really what they want to do. They want to allow private investors to come in and build condos across the street, maybe even that look into the ballpark like they've done in other places. That's where the real money is. Build real estate that people will buy, and you make a lot of money. So they want to do housing, but they also want to do low-income housing or affordable housing. They want an entertainment district because, you know, our other entertainment districts downtown aren't enough. The Royals want their own. This is them saying they want government help and tax breaks so they can bring in restaurants and bars and make all the money without paying taxes. Just know what the game is that we're getting ready to play here. They did this with Sprint Center. It worked. Sprint Center's a success. It is not what they promised. We didn't get an NBA team. We didn't get an NHL team. In the case of a ballpark, we have a baseball team. So we're good there. But they're going to be looking for government money to build this district. And it doesn't necessarily mean your tax dollars. There is federal money in projects like this. The Power and Light District was basically done with federal money. Goes back to the Carter administration. The Cordish Company is famous for doing this in downtowns everywhere. A Cordish company uses um, federal funds in areas that are considered, quote, blighted. Okay. If they can, if they can find a spot where they build this ballpark and declare the area around it as blight, they get federal funds automatically to do this. It's basically tax breaks is not, not so much as it's just cash. You just don't have to pay taxes and whatnot. And the feds are behind it and they help you build it out. This is what they want to do. But it's got a $2 billion price tag right now, a public and private investment that if it's $2 billion today, by the time it's done, we got to be looking at 2 and a half or $3 billion. And they put this line right smack dab in the middle of it when they said, we want to go downtown, no new Jackson County taxes. It is public and private investment. We want to build housing. We want to build entertainment. We want a cool ballpark. But what we really want is, quote, and here it is. Oh my God, here it is. This is how you do business in Kansas City with Mayor Q and Frank White and anybody in Washington, D.C., because all the Democrats are in control. This is how you get it done. And it makes me sick that you have to put this in there. I want you to think about what would the emphasis be of a ballpark? The emphasis to me would be on the fan experience and the community uh, greater good of everyone that lives in the area. You'd have an opportunity maybe to open a business, be employed there, make some money, do whatever. There'd be opportunity for everybody. There's a lot of things that we could say. The emphasis is on that. Mostly, the emphasis is on the fan experience. This is going to be a better way to consume and enjoy Major League Baseball. You may go to a restaurant before you go to the game. You may stop in for a drink after the game. The Royals may start playing at six o'clock instead of seven o'clock. They may, they may do all these things. There's a lot of different, or switch up game times like crazy. But they put it in there. The emphasis, the key word here is emphasis. The emphasis of this project is, quote, on historically underrepresented members of our community. Really? I mean, I guess you got to play the game. The emphasis of this. So in other words, you make your case, the stadium's falling apart. It's too expensive to keep. We need a new ballpark. We want all this other stuff. But wait, what we're really doing here, the emphasis here, the real reason we want any of this is for historically underrepresented members of our community. Well, which is it? Is this housing and urban development or is it a baseball team? I'm nitpicking. The word emphasis to me means something. The emphasis here is on entertainment. The emphasis should always be on entertainment. If you're asking for public funds for a ballpark and an entertainment village around it, the emphasis is on entertainment. I appreciate reaching out to and doing good things in a community with historically underrepresented members. I'm okay with that. That certainly is not the emphasis words matter. This is the, this is the country we live in now. This is how one side of everything dominates the conversation and gets everything they want. Even if it's just stupid platitudes and let's be honest, unless you're freaking brain dead, you know, the emphasis of this project is not on historically underrepresented members of our community. That is a flat out lie. We will never get better at social justice, racial equality, racial issues, and divide in this country until we can at least be honest about talking about it. What's wrong with just saying, in the process, we think we can do some really helpful things down here for people that are historically underrepresented in our community? Why can't you just say that? We think there's going to be good things here for a lot of people who could use some good things. Just say that. Not the emphasis of this project is on these people. It's a lie. It's a lie. Here's the thing. It's a flat out lie. You know, it's a lie. I know it's a lie. Democrats don't know it's a lie. They're going to run around for the next five years and say, we all got to pass this. We got to pass this vote. Yes. Give your money up. In a recession, with inflation, spend more of your money, your tax dollars. Spend it, spend it, spend it. You know why? Because the emphasis of this is on members of the underrepresented community. It's a good thing to do. You're you're a good person if you support this. Because look, we're going to help these people who can't help themselves. Oh my God, what a racist insult that is. We are a thousand miles away from fixing our racial divide in this country. And this kind of stuff sets us back every day this is in a press release. Sets us back another day. It does, and I love the Royals, and I support the project for now. Until I see what tax it is, I can't. I can't say I'm. I, I love the idea. I'm a hundred percent all in on the downtown ballpark. Until they say, "Oh, we're gonna have a buy state tax, and it's gonna be based on uh, your property or your income or whatever. It's gonna be a percentage." No, eh, out. You want to add a five dollar tax per ticket? sold done you want to add a 5% tax in the entertainment district on all eating, drinking, shopping whatever it may be done let the consumer pay it not innocent people that will never use it you find this way to you find a way for this to be consumer driven and I'm a consumer I'll be part of it I'll be paying my fair share I am all in on that I'm for landing taxes at the airport, rental car taxes, anything. You want to do that stuff, you're paying it yourself because you've chosen to take a flight or go to a ball game or eat dinner. Not, I'm sitting here in a recession with inflation through the roof and I just got popped with a baseball tax. No, that is not the way to do it. That's not the way to make friends. Figure out a way to pay for this with your own revenues. If you're going to do housing, there should be a tax on the housing. If you're selling condos, Maybe 1% of the, or 2% of the price of every condo goes toward it. I don't know. There's, there's all kinds of creative ways to let people who are spending their money there fund the project. I've always believed in doing it that way. I've said this before. We've got this $32 trillion deficit. You want to get rid of that? The best way to get rid of that is to start an inter- internet tax, a, na- a federal internet tax with a declaration by law or a constitutional amendment that the only use for the tax is to pay off the deficit. That's the only thing it can be used for. Can't be used for anything else. Just pay off the deficit. Can you imagine if we had a 1% or 2% federal tax on everything people buy online? <laughs> okay, it's your choice. Do you still want to buy it? I mean, everybody's finding bargains online. You're already saving money. You find one product in 16 places that's $16.99, and then you find it somewhere else for eleven ninety nine, and that's the place you're buying it, and it gets hit with a two percent tax, you're still saving money. People just sit there and shop and buy the cheap stuff anyway. They find the lowest price everywhere on the internet. Let's hit it with a tax. But let's not put it in the general budget of the United States federal government. I don't, I don't have a problem per se with sales taxes. If the sales tax is too high, I'm not buying something. I'm just taking a break. If it's not a good time for me to be spending money, that's my choice. Taxing for income and owning property is insanity. Punishing people for doing well. Good luck to the Royals. I like the project. The rendering is pretty darn cool. As always, thanks for listening to KKHI. Sorry we didn't have as many topics today. We'll get back in the groove of the multi-topic podcast. We had three big things here on KKHI. The last big thing is please hit the subscribe button or like or follow wherever you listen to the podcast. Many of you still come up to me and say, I don't really know how to do that. Can you show me? I can, and I'm not a techie. It's not that hard. Somebody else can help you hit the darn thing and find somebody else and tell them about the podcast this holiday season. When you're sitting around arguing about politics at Thanksgiving, tell them about the podcast. Somebody at that table's on your side. Let them know about the podcast this year. It's called Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC. To get exclusive patrons-only podcasts, receive a weekly newsletter and attend in-person patrons-only parties, visit kkhasissues.com and become a patron today. This has been a production of Crooked Tail Media Incorporated. <laughs>